0: This is Life in FM, the Good Shepherd Fargo-Moorhead podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. This is Pastor Taylor, your host, and I'm grateful this week to have Pastor Meggie from Good Shepherd. Our gospel reading for today is from John, from John chapter 1, verses Genesis 43 through, through 51. The and next day, how, Jesus decided to do? go from Galilee. And he found to. Philip and said to him, We're follow me. With now Philip was from church. Bethsaida, the this city of Andrew and Peter. So Philip went and found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, it's Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. Now when Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him, Jesus said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered, Do you believe just because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? Oh, you will see greater things than these. And Jesus said to him, Very truly, I tell you, you will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Here ends the reading. O grace and peace to you from God, our creator, the spirit, our sustainer and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to God be glory now and forever. Amen. There's some things you just have to come and see to appreciate. This is why businesses offer free samples, dealerships offer test drives, and TV ads say come in and see it for yourself. When parents bring home a new baby, there are many come and see moments. Come and see him smile. Come and see her laugh. Come and see him wiggle his toes. Come and see her eat. Come and see him take his first steps. Uh, Come and see her fall asleep while eating spaghetti in her high chair. We always ask people to come and see things that are unusual or something strange, something wonderful, something shocking. Come and see, come and see, come and see. Of course, these are also the words we hear in our text. Jesus asks Philip to follow him and Philip turns to his friend to say, wow, you must come and see. So here's the question I'm asking today. What is it that we see when we follow Jesus? Now, I assume you're listening today because at some point you heard that same invitation, whether it was a parent or grandparent demanding you come and see Jesus at church or else, or whether you were invited by a friend or read something somewhere or found something online. You're here because someone or something encouraged you to come and see, to learn about Jesus. And I hope you've stayed because you believe Jesus offers hope and salvation for the world. But what is it exactly that we see when we follow Jesus? Uh, In our story, Jesus has this fantastic line. um, When Nathaniel first encounters Jesus, he's seemingly overwhelmed. Wow, you must be the son of God. And Jesus replies, really? Oh, that was nothing. You will see greater things than these. Greater things than these, but what things, Jesus? What happens next? That's what we wanna answer with our sermon series this month. Now that we've encountered Jesus, what's next? And I think there's one answer in our story for today. What's next? Well, like Philip and Nathaniel, the next step is to follow Jesus, to come and see what he will do, and then invite our friends to come and see as well. I guess to use today's words, this means getting involved in faith, to make space to connect with God and with each other, and to work to keep building God's kingdom in our world until darkness and brokenness and pain are gone forever. What's next? Discipleship. What's next? Following Jesus, connecting with God, connecting with each other. What's next? I dream of a church filled with uh, Christ-like servant leaders, a church of leaders who answer Jesus' call to follow me so often that they are constantly inviting the people around them to come and see the goodness of God. I guess come and see is just the start. Follow me is what's next. That's the hard part. So how? if we follow Jesus in order to become like Christ, what's the next step to get there? I think of faith formation as a kind of three-legged stool. Now, when you go to sit on a stool, you hope that all the three legs are securely fastened uh, because they'll help you balance. You can make do with maybe one or two, but it takes more work. Uh, Similarly, I think of faith formation as this kind of three-legged stool because there are three main ways we connect with God and using all of these methods help us have a more balanced faith. Um, so, what are these three ways? Well, we connect with God in large groups. So, worship, community events, church dinner, fellowship meetings, um, our events like Trunk or Treat, anytime we are a large group of people doing our best to be church together. Now, another leg of the stool, we also connect with God on our own, whether that's prayer time or devotionals, quiet time, reading the Bible, or others. But we also connect with God in small groups. Think church choirs, mission groups, Bible studies, uh, connect groups, etc. While it's possible to connect with God solely using one of these methods, you're gonna have an easier time if all three are in your faith life. So let's unpack this three-legged stool a bit more. Um, there are some things that happen in large groups that don't happen anywhere else. That's where we sing and are transformed by worshiping together. It's where we're nourished by word and sacrament, meaning it's where we hear, well, hopefully good preaching, where we take communion and where we remember our baptism. Hebrews talks about a great cloud of witnesses and large groups are where we encounter other believers who help keep us on track. When we are the body of Christ as a large group, we can do much more together than we can on our own. But like I said, large groups are just one way where we connect with God. Uh, We also connect with God one-on-one. I think personal practice is where we really learn to speak with and listen to God, those moments where God shapes our heart on a more personal level. And we connect with God on our own through prayer, devotions, reading scripture, uh, prayer walks, scheduling that quiet time, meditation, or other practices. And these are important because we don't always have that great cloud of witnesses to rely on. Now that third leg, small groups, well, we'll get to that in a minute. I think of small groups like accountability, people you can ask questions of or pray with, people who will encourage you to discuss faith in ways that are hard to do on your own or in worship. Now, many people choose to connect with God solely on their own or solely in a large church body, and there are many faithful people who do this. But again, I think of a three-legged stool and of balance. You can balance without all three legs, but it takes more work. So pastors Mary and Taylor will unpack large group and on your own in future weeks. So today, I want to dive deeper into small groups. Uh, First, when I talk about small groups, I think of two different kinds. There's a connect group where you connect with other people about faith and life, but there are also kind of special interest groups where people connect over a shared interest, like reading or quilting or fix-it projects or service uh, events. Uh, Both types are excellent. Both have the potential to be life-changing. I think small groups are a unique way we connect with God. In the best small groups, you find people who will challenge you, but also unconditionally support you, Uh, those who will confront you lovingly, but also comfort you. Uh, The best small groups are maybe six to twelve people who challenge you to think in new ways, even as you challenge them to think in new ways. Uh, The best small groups are where people learn together and encourage each other, especially through tough questions or challenging life situations. I think Proverbs 27, 17 says it best, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. The best small groups are places where you can dive deeper than we can go in sermons. So here's what a small group looks like and why they're important. Um, When I was in high school, I was invited to join a small group Bible study with a friend. Um, At the time I was nearing graduation when was about to take those steps into adulthood, but was still processing life and friendships and other high school things. There were 10 of us, my group met weekly on Tuesdays, we ate supper together, we studied the Bible together, and we shared prayer requests together. Now for me, it was where I learned how to study the Bible, where I learned to pray, where I met new friends with much different life experiences than me, and the place where I first experienced how powerful it can be to have someone pray for you. Now if you've never had that kind of community, here's what it feels like. Um, I recently met a gentleman who's been part of the same small group for 30 years. Six couples, 30 years. You can imagine that over the course of that time, his group has been through a lot. Um, Many of them had children and and then subsequently became empty nesters, Um, but some of them buried parents or spouses or children. Uh, Two battled cancer, one lost the fight. Um, At the end of our conversation, This gentleman said he never would have made it without his small group. 12 years into meeting with the group, he lost a son. And while the large group church kept him connected to God and reminded him he was loved, it was the small group that expressed God's love by being the listening ear he needed when the world felt bleak and confusing. Now, our small group ministry at Good Shepherd is still forming, but here's my vision for small group ministry here. I dream of a church with a rich small group ministry, where that is the kind of support, encouragement, and life-changing experience people get when they participate. I dream of a church where 50% of the adults who attend services, whether online or in person, they're also part of a small group. Now, whether that's a special interest group like the choir or worship team, helping hands, a quilting group or a, a connect group, like our men's Bible study or women's Bible study, or groups like this, like I or this gentleman experienced. I dream of a church where 50% of the adults who attend services are also part of a small group. I guess here's another dream. I dream of a church where there are more people in small groups than there are in worship each week. I uh, think about that. I dream of, of uh, small groups that grow by invitation where every participant invites one new person or couple to join a group each year. By this, we invite others into the life-changing love of Jesus, just like the disciple Philip did, saying, Come and see. So I dream of a church filled with small groups where, where people feel comfortable sharing their struggles or voicing their opinions, stepping into disagreement with each other, but yet remaining committed to living life alongside each other as children of God. I dream of a church where people feel comfortable talking about faith. They feel comfortable flipping through a Bible. Um, they know how they listen for the voice of God. And they may not have all of the answers, but they feel they have the tools to move forward. The end goal, I dream of a church filled with Christ-like servant leaders, so committed to Jesus that you can't tell where the fabric of their personality ends and the fabric of Jesus begins. That's what I hope people come and see when they experience Jesus at Good Shepherd. So I think back on Jesus' statement, you will see greater things than these. And I think when we connect with God, sometimes we want the powerful experience, angels ascending or descending, the life-changing mission trip, the incredible worship experience, or the next revolutionary personal practice. But they don't happen all the time. And I think it's because that's not the point. We can become disciples overnight simply by answering the call to come and see. But becoming faith-filled servant leaders takes time. The invitation to follow Jesus is less about what you will see and more about who you will be. So what's next for you? I hope you'll think about your own faith and consider how it is that you connect with God. And does your faith lean heavily on one or two of the stool legs we talked about? How can you better balance faith and get connected in one of those other ways? What's next for Good Shepherd? I dream of a church filled with servant leaders who maybe don't follow Jesus perfectly every day, but have rich lives of faith, supported by a large group body, a a small group, and have a number of personal practices um, that help their faith. I dream of a church filled with servant leaders like you, those who answer Jesus' call to follow me so that they invite the people around them to come and see the goodness of God. And all God's people said, Amen. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, check back weekly for new content, And if you'd like to support this important ministry of Good Shepherd, you can go to our website, knowthegoodshepherd.org slash giving for a one-time or recurring gift, or you can text a dollar amount to the number 84321. Thanks for being a part of the community here at Good Shepherd. This is Life in FM.